Welcome to the new episode of Entertainment Weekly's Best of Shows, where we talk about the best of television and the rest of television. I'm Darren Franich, a TV critic at Entertainment Weekly, and I am joined today by my fellow TV critic and brilliant colleague. It's Kristen Baldwin. Kristen, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you? Oh, Kristen, I'm doing great. I'm doing so great. Uh, thanks for asking, as usual. <laughs> uh, I, I have to say, Kristen, last week's episode, you know, it was, yeah. it was a dark place. It was a dark place that we went to. And uh, I'm excited about talking about some of the things that we'll discuss today. Uh, later on, we'll be talking about a couple little shows called The Sopranos and The Wire. I mean, uh, we'll, I mean, any week where you can talk about that and call it work is a good week. We'll also be doing a look at some of the TV renewals. But first, it's time. Time for What's New, where we talk about uh, the new TV series and the returning TV series all across the television landscape. And Kristen, I know that for both of us, one of our favorite shows of last year was HBO's Barry, starring the great Bill Hader as a hitman who has a slight change of heart and decides he wants to go into acting. Uh, the first season followed Barry on a wonderfully strange uh, sort of hero's journey that took him through a inter-gang war between the Bolivians <laughs> and the Chechians. Uh, there was also just a lot of wonderful, um, you know, inside the literal actor's studio uh, drama and comedy about the lives and struggles of people who want to be actors. And it ended on a truly disturbing and horrible and fantastic uh, season-ending moment that I have not been able to stop thinking about uh, all year. Um, and we'll We'll spoil that a little bit, but just so you know, if you haven't seen Barry season one, go watch it right now. It's like under four hours long, and it's really wonderful. Uh, season two comes to HBO on March 31st, and this is definitely a show, Kristen, that is kind of still figuring itself out yeah. after that finale, I think. Um, you know, uh, you sort of begin with Barry. He is settled in completely to life in Los Angeles. He's working at Lululemon. Um, <laughs> he is preparing to stay uh, the front page uh, with his girlfriend and the rest of his acting class. Um, the uh, police are still trying to figure out what happened to the investigator who we know uh, he seemed to have killed at, at, at the end of uh, last season. Um, and uh, meanwhile, NoHo Hank He's doing okay. He's hanging out with the Bolivians. Uh oh, boy, he's not doing okay. He's got a lot of issues too. Yes. Although Hank and Barry uh, find themselves sort of back together doing crime stuff for reasons that uh, we, we may get into. Um, Kristen, uh, I gave the new season a B plus. Mm -hmm. I've seen three episodes of it. Um, I, I like a lot of it. There's a few things about it that I struggled with. Um, how do you feel about season two of Barry? You know, it's interesting because I was a little concerned about them doing a second season. Like it was such a brutal ending, but it would have been a perfect sort of eight episode story, just this beautiful little close ended thing that ends and on a bleak note, but a really incredible note. And, uh, you know, but nothing really is allowed to be a one season show anymore if people like it. And so I was a little worried about that. But, you know, I am pleasantly surprised at how much good stuff there is so far in season two. I mean, we're getting more NoHo Hank played by Anthony Kerrigan, and he's incredible, but it's not not too much no-ho Hank yet. Like, there, you know, there's always a concern, like, everybody loved him. He was a breakout character, so now he's going to be in every single scene. We're getting a lot of him, but it's, it doesn't feel like overkill yet. And there's even this moment at the end of episode one where no-ho Hank goes to, like, a really dark place. You know, he's normally so chipper and happy, and he just wants to, you know, be a great host and wants everything to be nice. But, you know, he has to have a really serious confrontation with Barry, and it was incredible. I thought he did a great job, Anthony Kerrigan, as NoHo Hank, being upset, you know? And uh, But then, of course, he's incredibly funny. Um, we're learning more about Barry's time in Afghanistan, which seems to get darker and darker. Uh, I'm a little concerned that three episodes in it's already like the amount of danger that Barry is in is already incredibly intense. <laughs> and I worry about how they're going to sustain that over, you know, the, if it's eight episodes or more, like I'm, I'm a little concerned about that, but generally speaking, I'm liking this season. Uh, we are getting more Henry Winkler, Gene Cousineau. Um, we learn a little bit more about him, uh, his family life, which I'm not quite sure that's going anywhere yet, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I have a real kind of wait-and-see mentality with this show, Kristen. Um, there's just such talent involved yeah. in the series. Uh, you know, Bill Hader, who co-created it with Alec Berg, um, is a really key creative figure as a writer and as a director on the show. Um, the first couple episodes this season are directed by Hiro Mirai, who's done incredible work on Atlanta, and he just brings... He, he uh, also directed a couple episodes last season, and he kind of reflects just the great style that goes into just the visuals of the show. Um, season two begins with a hilarious action scene that is <laughs> super dark and bloody and unexpected and goes a lot of uh, different directions. Um, and then just uh, on an individual cast level, um, you know, you kind of mentioned that we're learning more about Gene Cousineau. We're kind of just getting more of everybody yeah. in season two. Um, you know, everyone on the acting class, in the acting class who last season was sort of like these funny, often one-liner background characters. There's a lot more of them and it's not clear to me yet that we need that much more but they, there's incredible uh, talent in the ensemble you know you have a Kirby Hallibaptiste you have Darcy Carden um, yeah. you, you have a lot of people who are who are already becoming more and more famous faces in, in other shows um, that uh, this show has been fortunate enough to work with and you know just a couple of the performances are just really astonishing um, Stephen Root as uh. Fuchs it's just like you know Fuchs who kind of parted ways with Barry last season I suppose nothing to say that he kind of comes back into Barry's orbit this season. And even if initially I sort of felt as if the mechanics around how they come back together were a little flimsy, um, just seeing Stephen Root again as this character who it's kind of the ultimate performance by him. He's been such a great character actor for so long, and there's just this flop sweaty confidence <laughs> in yes. Fuchs. Like this, this is a guy who is constantly two steps away from being killed in multiple directions, and yet he always kind of has this incredibly unearned swagger whenever he walks into any room full of people who are trying to get him. Um, and, you know, you mentioned uh, you know, the great Anthony Kerrigan. I, I just feel as if there's so many good fundamentals in this show um, that, that even if certain aspects of the, the, the second season, they don't immediately jump out to me as being as transformative as season one was. It's just such a great Sunday night viewing experience. Yeah, really. and um, I, I love that it's half hour. <laughs> like, it's a drama comedy half hour, and it feels it doesn't feel uh, shortchanged and uh, it feels very like a lot happens in each episode. Yeah, um, I'd be really intrigued to know, too, uh, we, we may kind of come back to these early episodes at, at the end of this season and look at them differently. Uh, you sort of mentioned how, you know, we're getting more of Gene's backstory and yeah. we see him hanging out with his emotionally distant son. And uh, upon first watch, I was kind of just like, well, this is not that essential. I mean, you know, I love Henry Winkler so much and he deservedly won an Emmy for his performance, but this feels like it's kind of a little off kilter. Yeah. Um, but even thinking back over these three episodes, there is this sort of shared theme of the characters are really digging into their past. Yeah. You mentioned that Barry is looking at his Afghanistan time very differently. Um, Sarah Goldberg as Sally is sort of wrestling with some of her demons from her past life. Um, and so, you know, in a way, Gene's son kind of fits in with that. I'm not sure how just yeah. yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of willing to go along with it, you know? <laughs> and I also like that Sally now, you know, after her performance last season in the showcase when she did Shakespeare uh, and she, you know, got a lot of attention for that, um, She's starting to get a modicum of success. She's booking roles, but it's things like wife and secretary and stuff like that. But she's booking roles. And so, um, but obviously, you know, she wants to do more than just play wife and secretary. But it, it's giving the show an opportunity to explore a wider swath of what it means to, you know, because the other people in the, in the class, like, basically have never booked anything. And now what does it mean when you've, like, done a couple bit parts and you have an agent and, you know, who's at a real agency? What does that mean when you start? to get a little bit of success um, but it's you know it's a long game and how do you navigate that I'm interested in that too and I like Sarah Goldberg a lot in this role yeah I think she's really great and she's really good at capturing a, a, a certain quality of you know incredible kind of vanity and narcissism on yes. one hand but I just find her to be she makes her character very appealing and, and you know there is that sort of feeling always with Sally of someone who you know like on top of the water it's serene 
speed and it doesn't take much to sort of see that there's a lot of kind of peddling going on and just a lot of um, really interesting layers and I think that that's how I feel about all of the characters and it is just still laugh out loud funny yes. uh, there's a moment in the first episode where Noho Hank is hanging out with the respective heads of the Bolivian <laughs> crime family and the Burmese crime family and there's a thing that happens with a knife that is just one of the funniest things I've ever seen and, and he's I, I think so that, good in that I, moment I think, I think that's what I just have to remember about the show is it's such a two sport athlete because yeah. you know the, the finale last year made me feel like well like this is up there with a season of Sopranos as far as being a like pure descent into amorality and ambiguity um, but I, I do think that uh, Berg and Hayter and their collaborators have such a great instinct for you know just real real wonderful uh, unexpected laughs when you least expect it so I, uh, I am quite excited to see all the gifts of Noho Hank saying sweet baby Jesus <laughs> which he does uh, in episode one during that knife moment which I won't spoil but it's just like even that I just like I immediately wanted to gif it I was like I want to live with this moment for the rest of my life because it's incredible Kristen I'm going to make you just like a, a few gifts of Anthony Kerrigan's performance as Zaz on Gotham uh, because he's they have they have I think made him more noho Hank like on this final season and it's been really wonderful to see oh, I love him uh, Barry returns to HBO March 31st for its second season. Check it out. Give it a look-see. And also watch season one if, if you haven't yet. Yes, please do. It's excellent. So our next show is also a comedy, but it's a much more traditional comedy. Abby's premieres March 28th on NBC. It's a three-camera throwback, I'd like to say, to shows like The Single Guy and Union Square and other NBC comedies that were about friends, you know, but not those friends, hanging out. Uh, Abby's stars Natalie Morales, who you may remember from Parks and Recreation and the late great show The Grinder, so good. I think it's on Netflix. Go watch it. And she plays a young woman, a former Marine, uh, who runs a neighborhood bar out of her backyard. She has, you know, a whole social ecosystem set up featuring a seating hierarchy and a stable of regulars at the bar, including the middle's Neil Flynn as a barfly named Fred. And, uh, Everything's upset with the arrival of a new landlord, uh, played by Veeps Nelson Franklin. He takes over the house and uh, where Abby is renting a room, and he says, wait a minute, isn't it illegal to run a bar out of the backyard? What's going on? So she has to win him over. He wants, he's kind of lonely. He needs some friends. You can see where this is going. They be, they become uh, sort of... Uh, a, a group of friends with, you know, one person constantly being like, well, let's make sure we're not being too crazy here. Um, the material isn't really up to the level of its stars yet. Um, you know, Natalie Morales is fantastic. She's really good on pretty much everything she's ever been in. Um, and Nelson Franklin, is, who is so funny on Veep, he was just constantly getting verbally abused on Veep and the way he would handle it was just incredible. He's very good too. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling a little more confident about Abby's. It was created by Superstore co-EP Josh Malmuth. And we've talked about this before, Darren. Superstore is sort of quietly developed into a gem. And I, you know, when we talked about Superstore, I said... I'm not going to discount every sort of workplace or, you know, ensemble comedy that seems kind of boring or straightforward uh, anymore because Superstore turned out to be something really special. And so it's possible that Abby's could develop into something uh, more substantial than it is. It's just not there yet. What did you think about it, Darren? Uh, Kristen, very mixed feelings in general. Um, you know, in discussing this show, you had sort of made reference to certain uh, not-so-hot uh, NBC series of the 90s, like The Single Guy, and those kind of like fourth and fifth tier sitcoms that the seemed to be... The hammock shows, as they were called, right? <laughs> yeah. in, in, from the, 9 to 9.30. The shows that sort of, sort of felt like they were Xeroxes of Xeroxes, to yes. use uh, a period-specific terms that no one under the age of 20 will properly understand. And um, Instagram filters of Instagram filters. And uh, <laughs> I, I, it's strange that even just the, the basic setup of Abby's, the fact that it is filmed outside and the fact they make a thing out of that, doesn't that sound like some kind of gimmick that would have happened in like 1996 or something like that? It, it, just, it yeah. feels very, it feels very um, you know, old-fashioned in that respect, but not, not the good kind of old-fashioned, because I do think that the pitch here, which I find very appealing, is you know, let's do a show that is very much like, you know, largely one setting and one corner 
of one setting. We're kind of following these characters. Um, I watched the third episode, and I would say about half that episode is basically just the same three cameras pointed at people who are largely sitting at the same place at a bar. And I, I do find there to be something um, really interesting about that. I, I do think that, you know, at that level, it is just very dependent on having characters who are good or bouncing off each other. Mm-hmm. And, and right now, it doesn't quite feel like it's there, um, which is too bad. I mean, you know, you mentioned that, like, Nelson Franklin and Natalie Morales are both great performers. Uh, you know, Neil Flynn, who's been on every show of the last, uh, you know, from Scrubs to the middle. Um, there's a lot of talent here. I, I wish I sort of saw more right off the bat to get me invested. Yeah. Um, I-, I was kind of wondering if, because, you know, you kind of mentioned that uh, Josh Malmuth is the creator and, uh, you know, uh, M- Michael Schur is involved. Um, I was wondering if part of the issue was that there's just a slightly different rhythm to the comedy of a multi-camera laugh track sitcom uh, than some of the shows that they've worked on. That That, that is, you know, those are two distinct things. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that explains some of the aspects of the show that aren't entirely working right now. It's a good point, you know, and I hadn't thought of that, but I think it could be the case because these are actors who are, you know, uh, they're more subtle in their comic acting than yeah. than you're really allowed to be in a in a three camera sitcom where you have to literally pause for laughs and make it seem natural like you're you know you're in the middle of saying something and then you pause and then you keep going you know and some of the uh, I like what they're trying to do I think they did a nice job with sort of establishing this world where like you know it's clear that these people have known each other a long time it's clear that they have very uh, you know sort of they have inside jokes they have rules they have rituals I think you know because the actors are so good it, it works I'm not really sure where what what the you know uh, what the overall theme of the show is going to be other than just like people sitting around in the backyard drinking. And, and you know, it's a good point too on the topic of performances because, um, you know, Natalie Morales, I think for a very long time has been someone who is just obviously a TV star. And yeah. It's all a matter of finding out like, you know, where is that going to take her? She was so great in Parks and Recreation. She was incredible on The Grinder, yes. a show that we should all revisit. And I think one... One through line with her in the kind of great performances of hers that I've seen is like she's very good at being cool, and yeah. not like uh, not like cool and over the top, like you know, but just she's very like relaxed. And I find that like you know her kind of performing style, it's really really good on a show like Parks and Rec or on a show like The Grinder, where mm-hmm. you kind of give her characters who are a little more over the top to kind of pinball off of. Here, um, you know, there's a moment in the third episode where um, you know everyone else uh, at the bar has become very invested in Bill and what's going on with him and his ex-wife. And like at one point, they're literally sort of, you know, as you like it, Shakespeare comedy style. They're kind of looking over a hedge, seeing <laughs> what's going on with him and his ex-wife. And it just feels, it kind of feels a little goofy in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, it sort of feels like these characters have kind of lost. If what you're aiming for with this show is the comedy of people sitting at a bar and talking, yeah. this just feels like it's gone in a sort of huck Finn territory, which which is not so great. But I will say, Kristen, the third episode, um, you kind of mentioned the traditions that they have at the bar and how that's a source of comedy. In the third episode, in order to sort of like basically keep Bill there uh, when he thinks about leaving at one point, they come up with essentially a new holiday um, <laughs> where, you know, they sort of like create these new rituals out of thin air. And there's a moment where someone is declared to be that week's tuna pope. And <laughs> I had to laugh at that. I had to laugh at that because that's just a funny thing to say. It is. And funny. I, I, I do feel like, you know, some of that, that felt a little bit like the gear the show is aiming for. Yeah. Is the, the sort of playful absurdity of these characters coming through. I did like that they all like each other pretty much right away. Like, even Bill, who comes in and is supposed to be the, you know, the guy who's going to ruin all the fun, pretty soon is like, okay, you know, you can have your bar, but you have to follow some of my rules. And they all like him, and he, he seems to like them. I like that it wasn't, you know, sort of the setup of, oh, he's the antagonist the uptight guy, you know, and I just wish, I do think that Natalie and Nelson for uh, specifically are like, they seem smarter as, as people and as actors than this comedy. So maybe you know, it felt a little network neutered in a way, you know, allow not allowing them to be as smart as, as they are. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do hope that that works itself out, but I mean, I'm willing to give it a, a few more episodes simply because of the pedigree and and because you know we we sort of dismiss Superstore and look what it became. We were wrong. 
uh, and uh, um, perhaps will turn out to be wrong uh, about Abby's. Uh, it debuts on NBC on March 29th. Kristen, here's a show that I am extremely excited about uh, while we're talking about uh, uh, comedies from people who I trust and who I think are much smarter than I am. What We Do in the Shadows, which comes from Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, uh, they work together on the movie What We Do in the Shadows, which is sort of mockumentary set in the world of vampires. The TV series uh, adapts that material and takes it in a new direction. We are following a, uh, not a coven, what's a what's a crew of vampires called again? A murder of vampires who <laughs> live together uh, in Staten Island. Um, these are immortal bloodsuckers who are, uh, in, in, in various ways, they resemble the sort of classic notion of the vampire pre-Rob Pattinson. They got capes, they got funny accents, um, and, uh, the you know, but one of the joys of the show is it's largely a comedy of roommates. Yes. Um, you know, you have uh, Nandor and Laszlo and Nadia are all living together and have been for a very long time. Uh, they are aided by um, their sort of Renfield is a guy named Guillermo who loves vampires and wants to help them and puts up with quite a bit from them. Uh, and there's also an incredible character who is an energy vampire oh. named Colin Robinson, um, who everyone hates. He's the classic, like, you know, fifth Craigslist roommate that you really wish hadn't moved in and, and now you can't get him to move out. Um, there's just a there's just a great dark comedy quality to this show. Uh, they are vampires and they do kill people, uh, which is what makes it an, an FX series and not an NBC multicam sitcom. Um, but there's a real lightness uh, on the feet of Uh, There seems to be a kind of slow building storyline where they have been commanded uh, (laughs) by a vampire elder to take over Staten Island uh, and and indeed all of the New World, as they call it, because they're about 400 years behind on the times. Um, I I laughed out loud quite a bit during what we do in the shadows, Krista. Uh, What what, what was your experience of of the new series? Well, I love, you know, I I was a little worried because I'm not super into like, you know, vampires or anything like that and I was like uh, a vampire show but it is it's basically a it's a roommate comedy like it, it's a wonderful blend of this sort of elaborate baroque uh, these elaborate baroque characters you know they're wearing the Victorian costumes and they speak with their crazy accents and like uh, but then it's like mundane stuff about uh you know, roommate disputes, like don't leave dead bodies all over the floor. It's unsanitary, you know? And like each of the characters is very, you know, uh, Nandor is, is sort of their leader and he's very kind of prim and proper and he's very rule bound. And then, you know, Laszlo's kind of the dandy and Nadia's the temptress and Colin. Yeah. He just sucks the energy out of you, um, by coming in and talking to you like with an incredibly boring story. And you, that's his job. That's what he does as an energy <laughs> vampire um you know i there it's very smart and there's a lot of sort of art you know they're very smart articulate characters but then the comedy can be really silly like when nandor is excited to go decorate the house uh for the elder's arrival the baron and he goes to the store and he's buying all these decorations and he sees crepe paper and he keeps calling it creepy paper and i just kept giggling at that like he's like oh more creepy paper and guillermo his little slave basically is like it's crepe paper master and you know it's just it, over and over again but it's so funny um and it, the way it looks it looks very gritty and kind of lo-fi but and, you know blended with these very sort of like they fly at points they turn into bats you know in the second episode they attend a staten island borough council meeting about zoning and these the, the juxtaposition of the the these uh, these vampires testifying or speaking at a Staten Island Borough Council meeting about zoning um, is just incredible. And it's filmed in this sort of like washed out public access style. I just (laughs) loved that juxtaposition, which carries throughout the episodes I saw. Yeah, there's a real um, fascinating layer to how the show is made. Uh, the the first episode is directed by Taika Waititi um, and written by Jermaine Clement. Uh, they worked together on, on the original movie. Um, and w- Waititi's style is so fascinating. He's also made uh, great movies like Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, and he worked on Thor Ragnarok, which I think is maybe my favorite uh, like Marvel movie at this point. Um, he's so good at building this incredibly 
really ornate like visual aesthetic yeah. I mean, you know their, their their apartment in what we do in the shadows um you know every room just feels like it's it's it feels like it's all been really thought about in a way that recalls something like you know Gamma del toro or like a a very intense horror film um but then to your point Kristen, uh, his style and you know uh, jermaine clement's style can be so silly and almost improvised feeling it's such an interesting kind of clash and it really deepens this show um i definitely uh, also really enjoyed too there's a recurring character we meet in the first couple episodes uh, played by Be- uh, beanie feldstein who is fast becoming one of my favorite people she is a live action role player and you know larping was sort of a joke <laughs> that was funny about 12 years ago and initially i was like oh i don't know are we going to this well but she's really funny and um you know just th- th- there's a nice um there's a playfulness to how all the characters can interact with each other that then can turn incredibly shocking at times um but i just i, I really think that you know right off the bat the cast just feels uh, really rock solid on, on yeah. this show so I'm, I'm i'm so glad that it worked for you especially I since know. it's not necessarily not necessarily your usual um cup of human blood no uh, it is uh, not so to speak and i one of the things that i didn't quite understand about the show but i kind of like that i didn't understand is like it's not clear to me whether humans know that vampires exist or if they just kind of are really you know obtuse about it Guillermo knows obviously he's the familiar but then um, you know for example Nadia falls in love with this guy uh, that she sees through the window because she thinks he looks like her uh, one of her past uh, boyfriends from hundreds of years ago that she decapitated. Um, and, <laughs> you know, she starts hitting on him and she's so clearly like not a normal person. You know, she's really pale. She's wearing this Victorian, you know, flouncy dress. She speaks with this weird accent. Um, and, you know, the guy who's just some dude uh, seems kind of into it. And it's unclear to me whether he knows that she's a vampire or whether he's just kind of like, oh, she's a weird lady. And I like the fact that I don't know if the if the other humans know. Um, and I like that they sort of follow this these sort of, you know, cut and dry rules that we know about vampires. They can't be in sunlight. They can turn into bats. One of the Laszlo, whenever he turns into a bat, he just goes bat. And then he turns into a bat, which is hilarious. Um and it's just i it's it's sort of that weird there's a little bit of a disorienting you know i'm not clear exactly what's happening like when nandor testifies in front of the staten island borough council meeting he calls himself an immortal you know warrior or whatever and they're all like thank you for your feedback you know like it's <laughs> unclear to me whether they know and it's fascinating to me yeah yeah that that's the kind of stuff where if i'm hesitant about anything with the show it, it does feel like these early episodes have found such a good rhythm between those registers and I I, I I do worry that at some point does that just get kind of annoying or right. you know, is it is it hard to kind of balance that of them being so over the top and florid in their vampirism with the fact that everyone else doesn't seem to really notice or doesn't <laughs> seem to really care um, but I, I, I really you know there's a, there's just a good you know level of um, you know humor mixed with like the occasional oh that's a lot of blood that's a lot more blood than I was seeing on 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 Abby's, for instance, um, so I'm yes. I'm I'm very intrigued to see uh, what people think about it. I I, I know the movie has become uh, has become uh, such a cult phenomenon, and of course, uh, you know, Clement has his own big following from his Flight of the Concords days, and, and and all the other cult things that he's worked on in the last uh, decade or so. So, uh, everyone, uh, do check out what we do in the shadows. It's uh, debuting on FX on March 27th. Now it's time for TV Talk, a segment where Darren and I talk about TV, specifically the most notable TV-related news of the week. It's mid-March, which means spring is on the way, and with spring comes a whole bunch of announcements from TV networks about which shows they're keeping and which ones they're going to toss on the trash heap. So Darren, let's take a minute to talk over some of the most notable renewals and cancellations we know of so far. Why don't I start with a few that make me happy, and then you uh, you can mention some that you are happy about. One, America's Funniest Home, Home Videos has been renewed for two more seasons. Always a good good sign. Hooray! Better Call Saul on AMC renewed. Dirty John renewed as an anthology. Interesting. What? I know. Crazy. Uh, Modern Family has been renewed for its 11th and final season. Uh, Homecoming on, on Amazon. I'm interested about that because, you know... It's it, it, it's such an interesting, bizarre story. I don't know how they do a season two, but 
I'm interested in that. Uh, and then, of course, you, which moved from Lifetime to Netflix. Uh, Kristen, I am also very excited about Homecoming Season 2. I've heard rumblings, rumors, slash maybe I had a dream about this, and now I will report (laughs) it as fact, uh, that Season 2 will uh, prominently feature uh, Hong Chow, the actress who appeared briefly but very memorably in Season 1, so I'm very stoked about that. A few more things that I'm uh, very excited about. Superstore, coming back strong. Uh, That's a gem of a a series that I uh, have enjoyed and will continue to enjoy for many years yet to come i hope masked singer season yeah. two can't wait we knew it was happening but uh, i just i'm i'm so delighted by the fact that there are probably like you know like b and c level uh, celebrities who are now like telling their agent get me on, get the, masked me on singer, the masked which, singer which i am just so tickled by uh kristen i'm incredibly excited that new amsterdam is now the longest running new amsterdam in history <laughs> because it'll be coming back for season two uh the thereby defeating the other New Amsterdam that was yeah. about the immortal who solved crimes or whatever. Um, and then uh, not so much happy as just intrigued. Um, it, it was announced that uh, all the CW superhero shows yeah. uh, or, or have largely been renewed at, at this point. Your Supergirls uh, and your Black Lightnings. Uh, but Arrow uh, was renewed, but it was said that it was basically to be coming back for its final season. Yeah, and that was I think a it's, surprise. It, it's an interesting moment just for anyone who's fascinated by the, the recent history of uh, superhero TV shows, of the CW, of television in general, um, you know, Arrow really created a universe all around it. Um, you know, what uh, Greg Berlanti uh, managed to build off of a show based on the character of Green Arrow, who I, I, I would have never imagined that he would be the point through which the DC universe would create an entire sort of linked series of TV shows shows, uh, but it, it has sort of all happened, so it's interesting to see them um, winding that down. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to kind of see uh, how that happens, and fascinated to know what that means for the larger universe uh, around it. I have to imagine the CW is not planning on having less superhero shows yeah. in, in, in the near future. Um, Kristen, were, were there any uh, renewals that uh, you were a little less happy about, or anything you were just sort of confused by? I was fascinated to see that FBI is getting renewed for another season, I think there's still talk of a spinoff too. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Young Sheldon was renewed for seasons three and four. Two seasons. Uh, two seasons. You know, it's interesting. CBS seems to be doing that. They also renewed Mom, which wins a lot of awards and people say is, you know, is really good. And I've never really kept up with it. But that was renewed for seven and eight. So maybe that's just something that CBS does. Uh, you know, Ballers on HBO was renewed. Like, what? Why is Why is Ballers still on? What is What is happening? I don't I don't get it. Uh, Magnum PI, The Neighborhood both CBS shows, um, Dynasty on the CW. So they're going to be all superheroes plus Riverdale plus Dynasty. Plus Dynasty. That's Dynasty. so fascinating because that's a show that's had like, you know, casted it out and I'm, I'm, I am very intrigued by that. It's one of those things where like, I, I never really liked the show that much, but I almost want to circle back to season three just to see like what's happened. How yeah. has it lasted this long? It's really <laughs> fascinating. Uh, and then, you know, uh, they've renewed, I'm not necessarily uh, bummed out by this, but I'm, I'm intrigued on how they're going to do it. They've renewed American Horror Story and American Crime Story and the reason that that's fascinating to me is because Ryan Murphy is now essentially taking his talents to Netflix. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens to those shows uh, as he has to divide his time between a hundred more projects. Um, and, you know, uh, The Walking Dead. We've, we did a whole conversation about this show and it being <laughs> renewed. It's been renewed. So, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see on that one. There are those shows that are just so obviously going to keep running for a while longer that you question uh, whether or not they should be running for a whole lot longer. Uh, fair to say there's no shortage of Walking Dead in the future. Uh, I do have mentioned, uh, Kristen, uh, just as a shout out to our pal uh, Chancellor Agard, uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show oh, that yeah. I consistently thought was not going to last very long. Um, there are still two seasons yet to come on that, at least. Uh, and I have, I, I have heard a lot of rumblings from people who say that uh, I should try to get back into it. There was something that happened with it going to space last season. Um, oh my god! I guess I—it's funny with with some TV shows, as I was just saying with Dynasty. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like 
once it gets past a fifth or sixth season, I almost feel like I actually want to check back in on it because it's just so interesting to right. see what happens to a show when it has run for that long and what's happened to its, you know, to its characters and to its style. So full for full credit to Marvel's Agents of Shield. Um, you know, it, it's renewed through season seven at this point, and uh, that might turn out to be the longest running Marvel <laughs> TV show, which is uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, especially if we turn our conversation to canceled shows because pretty much every Marvel show on Netflix was canceled. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, some of the other canceled shows, Dietland on AMC, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on the CW, Elementary, which was apparently still on CBS, um, The Good Cop, which hurts my feelings. I love that show on Netflix. It's still there. Go watch it. It's funny. Uh, Smilf. Smilf was actually canceled on Showtime. I had no idea. Um, so yeah, there's. Were there any cancellations, Darren, that sort of uh, shocked you, or or were you like, finally? Uh, you know, d- 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 nothing like shocking. But I will say that. Um, even though, you know, we're in this phase now, Kristen, where very often shows are greenlit for what is said to be the final season. Like, you know, that is a new part of the landscape that wasn't really so common, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And, you know, Gotham was shockingly renewed last year. It hasn't been like that great in the ratings for a while, though it does have a real like deep following. Um, we knew it was going to be the last season. Even so, it's been just so delightful that I I sort of have kept on waiting for someone to say like all right we'll do we'll do one more year we'll do one more right uh, you, you know uh, it feels as if um, in a sense like as it's moved closer to its conclusion and I, and I do believe it will be a conclusion in a lot of ways from from, from, from all that we've kind of heard about the finale um, it's just gotten sort of like a, 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 a second life force to it and it's just been very over the top but in a way that's been really appealing right um, so I I it's one of those things where I'm not surprised surprised it somehow i just I, I i feel the pain of it ending more now than i did last yeah. year when i was like oh yeah sure that seems like the right time for it <laughs> so. yeah no it makes sense um friends from college was was canceled like that's a show that was why was it ever even on why did it even get a second season <laughs> was it on was it, really was it? On? yeah i don't know <laughs> uh, so there are definitely some cancellations that make a lot of sense but uh you know so far we'll be hearing more of these uh renewals cancellations as uh the month roll on because obviously in May the networks do their upfront presentations where they present their uh, new fall schedules to uh, to advertisers so they kind of have to start making decisions now about what shows they're going to keep what new shows they're going to order and what you know is going to be sent into the trash heap so well and uh, I, I do want to just mention one thing Kristen uh, because my mom is the one person I know who watched the TV series Take Two starring Rachel Bilson and Eddie Cibrian oh. she's been asking me a lot whether it'll come back for another season and unfortunately sorry mom it's not going to come back uh she's been she's suffered a lot through some cancellations recently and so that's this hard one, I, know, I know it's too bad i thought that might be the you know uh the kind of summertime series that would just sort of keep on keeping on but uh unfortunately it is not but fortunately there are a thousand more tv shows uh, yet to come in the next couple of weeks exactly which we'll be able to dig into Kristen, can i shift to a segment that i love which is called You Asked For It, because you, <laughs> yes, you, the listeners, you tweeted at us, you tell us things, we respond to those things, sometimes via Twitter, but sometimes, like now, on our podcast. At Greeley, a.k.a. Gretchen Elliott, tweeted at me and Kristen, which should I binge first, The Sopranos or The Wire? Heavy question, oh. Gretchen. Maybe the heaviest question, and one that, frankly, since you asked us, I've been turning over in my head quite a bit watching a lot of scenes from both of those great HBO series. Um, the Sopranos, of course, was created by David Chase. It is a crime-slash-family-slash-totally-surreal New Jersey drama following the life and tribulations of Tony Soprano across six and a half seasons or seven seasons, however you want to kind of uh, call the, the last batch of 20 or so episodes of uh, really wonderful storytelling. The Wire, uh, very different 
but somehow it was on at the exact same time. What a time to be alive it was. The mid-2000s, uh, created by David Simon, uh, working with Ed Burns. Uh, it is a massive, macroscopic look at Baltimore, and it's about crime, and it's about politics, and it's about schools, and it's about the docks, Kristen. What's going on at the docks? The docks! The docks, season two. Great season of television. Um, Kristen, this is a hard question, which is why I'm going to hand it off to you. Which should... <laughs> Gretchen binge first Sopranos or The Wire and she's not seen either one this is not about a rewatch this is like okay these are two great TV shows understandably you know shows that she wants to cut she wants to see but what should they you know which one do you start with and it's it's hard because it's a lot of TV it's a big commitment you know as I was pondering this question Darren I kept thinking about the scene in The Princess Bride where Vicini is trying to figure out which glass of wine the dread pirate Roberts has poisoned with the Iocane powder and he says you know I'm not a great fool so clearly I cannot choose the wine in front of you but you must have known that I was not a great fool so clearly I cannot choose the wine in front of me and this feels like the same situation where there is clearly no right answer, but there's also no wrong answer. It is win-win. But let me sort of talk through my thought process with you. Um, you know, The Wire, it, it's not going to come as a surprise to you, Darren, that, uh, you know, I firmly believe that The Wire is without question the best show ever made, period. Anyone who says otherwise is wrong. Uh, it was number one on the list of EW's 100 all-time greatest shows in 2013. Uh, it's been called a visual novel, and it really is the closest thing TV has ever come to the sprawling, finely detailed, and sort of breathlessly complex stories written by Charles Dickens, who is one of my favorite authors. Um, it's one of those shows re that requires and rewards close attention, and once you start, you'll, you'll just want to consume it constantly until it's all gone, and then you'll never stop thinking about the characters. I still think about McNutty, I still think about Bubbles, I still, you know, think about Stringer Bell and like and Tommy Carsetti, just all of these people. And, you know, it's filled with recognizable faces that will surprise and delight you. There's Amy Ryan, Idris Elba as Stringer yeah. Bell. You get to see him running a drug dealer meeting using Robert's Rules of Order. <laughs> Aiden Gillen, Littlefinger. <laughs> plays an ambitious city councilman Tommy Carsetti, one of the best uh, performances in recent years. Dominic West, if you've only ever seen him on The Affair, then you haven't really seen what he can do. And, you know, then you go to The Sopranos, and from a purely pop culture literacy standpoint, The Sopranos, I think, has the advantage of which to watch first because right now it's slightly more relevant and in the conversation. The finale is still frequently referenced. Stephen Colbert most recently joked about it uh, on air when he was grilling Kit Harington about how Game of Thrones was going to end. <laughs> David Chase is working on a Sopranos prequel movie. It's the 20th anniversary this year, so a lot of people are doing a rewatch uh, with the aid of Alan Seppenwall's book, The Sopranos Sessions. So, you know, I feel that season for season, The Wire is better and more consistent. Um, I feel like there are some weaker seasons and episodes in Sopranos and there, you know, more of those than there are in The Wire. But I'm, you know, as much as I love The Wire, I'm going to give this one to The Sopranos. Whoa! Yeah. What a twist! I know. I, in part, because you should always save the best for last. Um, <laughs> but what I do want to say to our listeners is that after you binge The Sopranos, you need to like be very careful. Try not to get hit by a bus or choke on a pretzel because if you die without ever having seen The Wire, you haven't really lived. Kristen, I'm so fascinated by this response um, because I definitely thought you were going to go in the other direction and say The Wire. Um, and I'm even more fascinated because while you were just saying all those great things you were just saying about the two shows, it was like when you were talking about The Wire, I was like, yeah, she's right. You should definitely binge The Wire first. <laughs> but then you made such a good case for The Sopranos, which, um, you know, uh, that is the show that I would recommend watching first. Um, just because one thing I love, I mean, it's a great question because because um, in so many ways, they are like the best kind of show 
in two extraordinarily different directions. Um, you know, The Wire is such a kind of macro story, and as much as it is built on a wonderful little moments between characters who are all so fully realized that, as you said, you find yourself thinking about how would they react to events in the present day. You know, the, right. there's that there's that richness to everyone. Um, it just by the time you get to the third and fourth seasons, the feel of the snowball rolling down the mountain, where you just feel as if you've seen every corner of this American city and you really explicitly understand um, what these, you know, what everyone is doing and how that relates to very real world problems. Um, I always find myself feeling that, you know, television's job is not to be societal medicine. Right. um, But I I do feel that if everyone watched The Wire, the world would be like a little bit better. You know, it it wouldn't be fixed, but like, I do just think that there's a tremendous, um, you know, repertorial empathy that goes into the show um, that really kind of stands alone in, in television. Um, at the same time, um, I really just agree with you about The Sopranos that uh, on one level, um, it's almost as if The Sopranos is just so intimate and so inward facing. And as much as there are incredible characters all up and down the lineup um, of, uh, you know, Tony and his friends and Carmela and all their family friends and all the people around them, um, as it goes along, you just feel as if with a few of the characters, with with Carmela and Tony especially, but with a lot of supporting characters, there's just a feeling of digging deeper and deeper into each of them. Um, You know, my, my, my pitch to Gretchen, I think, would be that... The Wire is essentially always great. Um, you know, people do sort of complain about the fifth season as being a downturn in quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was telling you that last year um, I, I, I rewatched a lot of the fifth season uh, with my wife because she never finished it. And let me tell you, uh, it's better than basically anything I saw on television last year. I mean, like if if I had had to have put that in my top ten, it would have certainly been in the kind of six to seven range at least. Yeah. Um, but The Sopranos. I think it legitimately gets better and better as it goes along. There are some moments towards the middle where it's kind of wandering a bit. Um, but I, I would really say that, you know, if we're looking at, at this binge as far as like, you know, what am I looking forward to? Um, the final run of episodes has five or six of my favorite episodes ever of television. Yeah. And I, I wonder if, um, you know, just thinking about someone re- revisiting that now, if that kind of makes it a slightly more appealing um, deep dive. So I, I think I'd say Sopranos too. Too, even though I've just said the wire would fix the world, so I, I, you know, this is this this sort of shows just what a you know, as you said, it's it's an incredible uh, choice to be able to make. Yeah, really. I kind of wish, you know, I, I think also in part I'm just jealous that Gretchen hasn't seen the wire yet and she gets to discover it, and I'm sort of saying put it off until the end, you know, save the best for last, um, but just really don't get hit by a bus because it will just be <laughs> awful if you end if your life ends without you having seen it. But I do think that. Like, it's almost like all TV is ruined for you after The Wire. So why not watch <laughs> The Sopranos and maybe, you know, anything else that y- you've been holding on to, uh, you know, those sort of big shows that you haven't watched. But because after you see The Wire, like, uh, you know, you will like Alexander, you will weep. It is. And, you know, it's funny, too, Krista, that you were mentioning how Idris Elba has such a key role on the show. What an interesting way to get to watch it now when so many people on the cast have gone on to have fabulous careers. Um, You know, because uh, when we were watching it, I kind of caught up with it around the time that the fourth season had aired. Um, You know, that was a time where uh, just a lot of the people in the cast had not necessarily had that many large roles. And, and, And some of them, you know, were indeed kind of like local Baltimore personalities. Yeah. were cast and, and there's that kind of texture but then you have people like Dominic West and Lance Reddick yes. uh, and Michael K. Williams and these people who've become so central to television and to you know huge movies and it, it, what an interesting way to kind of revisit it now and see all these people doing just some, again some of the best work of their careers that would kind of go on to uh, you know much like kind of more more prominent uh, things it's interesting that um, you know when we're looking at these shows The Sopranos was a big hit when it was originally on. The Wire was barely even watched when it was originally yes. on. So it's funny that now we talk about them um, in, in that sort of same light as just being such shining examples of what television was what was doing at that time. Actually, I want to revise what I just said, Gretchen. Um, watch The Sopranos, but then go right to The Wire just because I'm worried, you, you know, what if you do get hit by a bus? Like, <laughs> don't put it up, you know, then if you've, you haven't watched Mad Men or other things, fine. But like, 
Sopranos then The Wire just that way you're just safe I just want yeah. you to be safe yeah you know I'd be intrigued to know too okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do the old like a King Solomon cut the baby in half maybe maybe just alternate would that work that could work no that wouldn't really work it would be like, hard you know what you, you know what though it's hard though too because Sopranos every episode does sort of feel like a meal like I, I, yeah. I, I feel like I, I feel like you can kind of sit with it a little bit whereas once you start a season of The Wire you're kind of in it you're right? in it like that's that's all the kind of claims your mind for a while yeah and so i don't i think going back and forth would be uh quite difficult uh so gretchen i i, I hope that helped i i feel like i feel like we've we've now said like two distinct versions of, of the answer yeah <laughs> i mean i feel like it, whatever you decide you know is the right answer because they're both great mm-hmm. um but just you know just know that if you don't think The Wire is the best show ever made, you're wrong. <laughs> Kristen, it's funny. Now that you've said that, I, I, I'm sort of on my toes now where I'm like, okay, like, what do I think is the best show ever made? Uh, for me, I think it's still going to be Mad Men, actually. Interesting. But, but that's, 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 that might be a slightly personal thing just because it was a show about people working in an office in New York yeah. uh, at a time when that was my entire life. Uh, and Peggy is the character that I relate most to in the, in, the, in the entire span of television. So, But again, you know what? There are no bad answers when it comes to talking about uh, the absolute uh, upper level greatness of uh, of television well and the thing is you say that having seen the wire like james hibbard insists that like breaking bad is the best show of all time but he's never he's never seen the wire and i was like it doesn't matter your words are meaningless yeah like everything you say has no value until you watch the wire yeah and then then you can make a judgment but right now your judgment is completely meaningless yeah it is it is it is still a requirement and i know that it's funny occasionally i'll talk to people who are kind of like oh like I, I just I get so annoyed people say it's the best show ever and like you know, I just don't want to watch it and I'm like shut up you idiot go yes. watch it like I'm not gonna allow this I'm not yeah. gonna allow you to like you know like I know it's not join, just, join us join us over here with, with with people who know what we're talking about yeah exactly exactly or just shut the f up because nobody wants to hear from you um so anyway uh, I don't even know what we ended up telling poor Gretchen to do, but hopefully she will uh, she will uh, have made some sense of that. And I, you know, I'm just glad she asked the question. It was such an interesting thing to ponder. Yeah, thank you, Gretchen. It was actually really exciting for us because uh, I mean, Kristen and I were even kind of setting each other back and forth some of our favorite <laughs> moments from both these shows. Yeah. There are just so many wonderful moments. So please do let us know, Gretchen, uh, what you wind up doing, and uh, you know, send us some like live tweets as you're watching. Yeah, because uh, we uh, we want to kind of. Uh, revisit the shows right along with you and look both ways before you cross the street (laughs) always always Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of best of shows if you like what you hear give us a rating and subscribe at apple Podcasts, stitcher google play radio.com or wherever podcasts are potted if you don't like it or you just want to talk tv tweet at us i'm at Kristen g baldwin and my partner in crime is at darren franich let us know what you think or what you want us to talk about until next week i should have a catchphrase but i don't so bye